This episode is brought to you by Shuggies. Shuggies is on a mission to sweeten people's lives and create little moments of happiness and joy every day. Isn't that nice? That's so nice. <laughs> so Shuggies is infused cane sugar and infused agave nectar. And you can use Shuggies wherever you would want something to be a little sweeter, like stir it into your coffee in the morning or brew up a batch of lemonade on a hot summer afternoon. That sounds so refreshing. Mm. I would use it in baking. Oh, what would you make? Right now, I'm kind of into snickerdoodles, if I'm going to be honest. I, I feel like they're the... Them. Yeah, right? Like nobody remembers them. And every time I see one, I'm so pleased. So I'm trying to find a really good snickerdoodle recipe right now. Yeah, make a fat snickerdoodle and put some shuggies on it and call it a shuggy doodle. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Check them out at shuggies.com. That's S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S.com. Or find them on Instagram at that shuggies feeling. Yeah, that shuggies feeling. I want that feeling all the time. Yeah, elevate your everyday with shuggies. Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. I do feel Loki. Yeah, you Loki, Loki. You got that Loki look. Yeah, he was my favorite comic book villain growing up, for sure. Were you also familiar with the like the uh, Norris the shit? mythic, the North, the Norse myth? Yes. Or just the comic book stuff? Comic, comic was the entry to the myth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I all, I got all my education from comics, and then retroactively learned where they came from. Yeah. Yeah, but Everyone Loki. Everyone heard number about one. the Little Mermaid through Disney first, and then learned that she actually dies at the end. I didn't know that. Yeah. Why she die? Because they die in most of those fucking fairy tales. The women? Yeah. The w- the women, the princesses, the mermaids, the fucking virgins. What kills the little mermaid? Shark? No, she um, dissolves into sea foam. Really? Yeah. She acid baths? She basically gives her soul to the prince in exchange for love, but she has no voice. And then he ends up marrying someone else. And so she dies of sadness and dissolves into sea foam. Why doesn't anyone look at that as a lesson for handling yourself and like well, taking care of you? Why does everybody look at that as like... Because Disney got a hold of it and they changed it into this weird mythology where you're supposed to actually aspire to be like her. <laughs> the lesson is lost. Uh-huh. Completely. All of those Hans Christian Andersen fairy tales, a lot of them are like horrifying. The Grimm's brothers, like the Grimm... Is it Grimm? Yeah, the Grimm brothers and Hans Christian Andersen and all of those old tales are really fucking dark the initial original ones are very dark like at the end of uh is it sleeping beauty or cinderella i can't remember i think it might be cinderella they give the evil stepmother a pair of red hot shoes that she's forced to dance in until she falls down dead whoa that's how she dies at the end whoa yeah she dances in red hot iron shoes until she fucking dies and in cinderella the um Stepsisters, when they're trying to fit into the glass shoe, when the slipper, when the prince brings the slipper, the first one cuts off her toe to fit into it. No. And is bleeding out onto the way to church. And that's no. how he spots it, is the blood on the snow. And the birds call out and say, like, She's there's blood, it. there's blood, look back, the true one is behind you. And then he goes back and then the other stepsister tries to fit her foot in by cutting off her heel. And she's bleeding on the snow on the way to church. And the birds are like, look out, look out, the true one lies behind you. And then he goes back and he finds Cinderella. Because they cut off parts of their body to become the woman that he wanted. That's Cinderella. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Weed and Grub, everyone. <laughs> Fuck, Welcome Mary to Jane. Welcome to Weed and Grub, everyone. 
a feminist podcast about fairy tales. <laughs> <laughs> Title pending. Not sure about Weed and Grub anymore. Might have to shift based on branding. No, it's still Weed and Grub, Mike. It's still Weed and Grub. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine, fine, fine. Oh, man. Oh, this is a podcast about anything and everything we want to talk about, but it's also cannabis comedy culture and calling shit out. Calling shit out, calling being, shit out being Cinda fucking Rella. Yeah, well, how they've uh, reconfigured fairy tales to make them stories that young girls like want to live up to when, in fact, they're cautionary tales about um, just existing in the world. Can I ask you about being a princess? Uh, I don't know anything about being a princess. You didn't want to be a princess when you were never a scientist. Never. You grew up wanting to wear a lab coat. I, I wanted to do what my dad did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Huh. Like just be on the water, like he and my sister. My grandmother was also a fisheries biologist. Well, you weren't born in America, or you weren't I born. Was. You were, but you weren't raised in a in a an American household like I was. I was, so I was born in uh, the U.S. when my dad was working at the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute, and he was doing stuff like bringing sharks home for my sister to dissect on the lawn. Big sharks? Yeah, six foot long blue shark was her gift for her, I think her like 14th birthday. Yeah, you can't wrap that. What do you do, (laughs) put a bow on it like a car in like a car commercial? plastic and left it out on the lawn for her, and then they dissected it together. It was really amazing. It was bycatch, by the way. He didn't like kill it to bring it home. It was a shark that he had, you know, they'd found it dead as a research vessel. And so dad was like, oh, my, my daughter would be interested in that. So it was like that kind of house that I grew up in. And then we moved to Newfoundland. Wait, where... wait, I'm not done with that. What? You're the, uh, when I didn't know what to get my family for Christmas, one year I just bought them a huge ice sculpture of a NASA rocket and left it in the front yard. That's so cool. I've seen pictures. And your dad for your sister's birthday uh-huh. left a six foot shark wrapped in plastic on the lawn for her to dissect. Mm-hmm. And your sister ran outside and was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then they did. So what did he get you? All sorts of stuff. I mean, he took me on insane. Beluga whale, blue whale in your living room. We had blue whale or uh, we had humpback whale vertebrae in my garden when I was a kid. And he taught me how to fish when I was little. I learned how to catch brown trout when I was probably like six or seven. And then I took myself to the river and caught one one day when he was either at work or out of town. And I brought it home and he was he was like so proud of me. Fucking fascinating. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Okay. It's we just to cut all this out. I mean, it's a weird start to a... I don't think so. Okay. Don't you think it's interesting? I, I could talk about it forever, but I also know that like high horse isn't necessarily always the way to draw people in. You, know? you think that this is a high horse? I feel like I get up on a super high horse with this stuff. Because sure. of the way you were raised and how it's important to you and you like it? Well, That's not a high I, horse. I can get a little strident about it for sure. Like I can yell at people that I think are fucking stupid about it all day long. I watch I can, a podcast video where guys get angry at each other if they resell shoes for the wrong amount. <laughs> you want to talk about a high horse? It's not how you were raised. I'd be interested to see who wants to hear about it because honestly, like I don't listen to a lot of strident podcasts about like, here's how, you know, like... I don't know what I would tune into, but we got super baked before this. <laughs> My mouth is going, so. Good. Yeah. That's what it's about. It's yeah. for us and anyone who wants to fuck with it, I'm very thankful for. But this me is for too. us. Nice. God damn it. <laughs> now you got me on a high horse. Well, listen, Mary Jane, don't I, transfer your horses. Well, I have a very serious fucking question because I am actually pissed with you for very specific reasons. Why? Why because now? of your fucking condiment packet game, dude. <laughs> to bring it back to something that I can... I am like, very princely. <laughs> ...really get into. Is, yeah, you, what are you behaving like? You're throwing these around like they're fucking... What are you, royalty? Yeah. You like your packet I'm game? I'm so frivolous with my condiment packets. You were, I would use the word cavalier. Uh-huh. You cavalierly demanded... Okay, so we got pizza for lunch. Uh, delicious pizza. Shout out Ghost Pizza. Ghost Pizza. Right up the street. Delicious. Fucking delicious. And um, as we were picking up... The uh, sales gal was like, do you guys want any packets of anything? And I said no super quick because I never do. 
And then you chime in. Yeah, I want Parmesan and red pepper flake packets. And so she ended up giving us like a whole bag with like, I, how many am I holding? A hundred? There's a hundred <laughs> yeah. packets here. I don't need. You put them I, in a drawer next to the no. dishwasher and then they never see the light of day and you just add more and more and then you add soy sauce and then you'll add some chopsticks and then you'll add some spicy mustard and you never use any of them. You just put them in a drawer to keep there. Why do you have that drawer? I am so mad at that drawer. Do you use anything out of that drawer? No, because there's too many packets. You can barely open it at a certain point because if you do, they all fold over on each other. Yeah, and then at one point, a soy sauce packet exploded, got every other packet sticky. They're all just like a weird soy stick and then you throw them away mask. yeah so don't get them in the first place is what i'm saying it's a very small move towards sustainability we all know about all the other stuff we can do next step is don't get the condiments you didn't we didn't i didn't use any of these on my pizza i did i oh, used you the did. parmesan okay because I, I like when if you have a nude crust i like to spread the parmesan out and then use that to add flavor to the crust like i press it in there and smush it down on the parmesan and that's how i'll eat my crust okay so i didn't see you actually use one i was prepared to go harder on you than i have but i can appreciate that so but you did i do use but to your point we still have how many left 500 packets yeah. on my table and right they're now. going to go in a drawer they're not going in a drawer. That's the thing. Where are they going to go? Directly in the trash. <laughs> oh, see, now you're part of the problem. <laughs> I said no. <laughs> I said no at the window. And now you're telling me that I have to put these in my drawer? Uh-huh. You could take them home. I don't have any room. I'm going to show up at your house and I'm going to put them in a fucking drawer. <laughs> and you're going to find them in like six months. Mm -hmm, when I move. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then they go in the trash then. Condiment game, man. Uh, It's bad you're right it is bad i mean the only condiments i ever really like would fuck with and put in a drawer like occasionally i'll get like a packet of mayonnaise or something and those are great for plane rides yes they are and picnics truth so a mayonnaise packet or something like really like a like a very cool hot sauce from a like a you know like a asian restaurant where i don't know what it is and it's like a strange color like a thai chili sauce or something mm -hmm. what about when you get the ketchup tubs with your to-go order and like you got a burger and fries and you get like three ketchup tubs. Do those tubs sit in your fridge? Never. Forever? Nope. They sit in mine forever. That's and so I just weird. never use them, but I keep them all. Wow. Yeah. How about like tartar sauce? Oh, who has that? Nobody has tartar sauce. I fucking love tartar sauce. What do you, of course, oh, my, my <laughs> sister was, oh, some I'm, people want to like go to SeaWorld and like see the dolphins. My sister wanted to climb inside one. I'm of course you had tartar sauce. I love tartar sauce. I love a filet of fish. I will, I will actually fess up to like going through the McDonald's drive-thru probably once a year to get a filet of fish because I weirdly love that like sweet tartar yeah. thing. I'm usually super baked and yeah. I'm passing a McDonald's and I just have that like little, you know, yearning. That's the, I love that the only condiments that you would save is tartar sauce. And mayonnaise. And mayonnaise. I'm a mayo girl. You know that. <laughs> I put mayonnaise on everything. I love a wet sandwich. I love a sloppy fry. I love an aioli. I'm all about mayo. Fuck ketchup. Fuck mustard. Fuck soy sauce. Damn. Yeah. Damn. So now you know which condiments to save for me. And all these can go to hell. You're destroying the democracy of the condiment drawer. <laughs> Unbelievable. I do keep chop chopsticks though. They're useful for... Uh, but pitting cherries. Yes. Yes. Or just using. Yeah. Or just using them as chopsticks, totally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hold my hair up. You know. All there you go. <laughs> do you want to get to the news? Mm -hmm. Okay. What's today's news? It's actually some big news. So, yeah. ouch. 
It's an ouch. It is an ouch. Um, The news is that I got word this week um, as a former freelancer for Weed Maps, and then the news kind of went out into the world that Weed Maps has actually laid off 25% of its workforce. Gutted. Yeah, it's really crazy. So the company laid off nearly 100 employees. This was being reported in LA Mag. And um, it says that a number of factors uh, appear to have led to the decision, including that Weed Maps just this year, or even in just in the past couple of months, has decided to become fully compliant with adver- only advertising legal. Hold on, we it, that's not that's not the truth. The well, truth is, people came for them, and and because they were put on blast, they made the yeah. necessary changes. Yeah, absolutely. Like like they weren't going to do it unless, but a lot of. Well, there were some places that, came for them and said, yo, fuck this. Amanda Chicago Lewis has actually been, you know, like putting them on blast for a long time. She wrote about them for Wired. Um, yeah, and they were they were sort of like well known for accepting advertising dollars from illicit pop businesses, even after California regulated and legislated cannabis. So it was problematic for a lot of places that were like, hey, we're only taking legal dollars. Why, yeah, why is this company over here able to operate by taking like millions of dollars from companies that are not operating within the actual legal cannabis market? So yeah, they had to answer for it. And yes, so they had they to did. come online and that meant that they have to let go of a lot of money. So that's one part of it. And then another part that's being reported in this article is that their museum of weed, which was that huge pop-up that I went the first weekend and it was like a very Instagrammable, huge sort of like walk through the history of cannabis from, you know, the turn of the century where, you know, it came into America and it was like illegal pharmaceutically all the way through the drug war and prohibition to now in the medical market. I heard it was pretty cool. It was, um, it was very, um, it was just very Instagrammable. You know, but it actually, like, as a walkthrough, it didn't say anything new. Right. And um, the LA Mag article says that one ex-MAPS employee said that the project was a cash drain on the already strapped company. So I guess we don't really know what happened, but... um, But they probably put too much money into an Instagram museum, and they were taking money from the black market and had to answer for it. And so they fired 25% of their staff. A hundred people. A hundred? Wow. Some friends of ours. Yeah. Yep, a couple of people that I know, um, and so it's just kind of fucking crazy. The statement from the CEO on Medium is very corporate and very sort of full of, you know, I'm grateful for what everyone has done, but see you later. Now we're pivoting, and now we are. Um, basically, it says that they are moving into tech. Damn. Yep. Would you say Weed Maps is going into uncharted territory? <laughs> I uh, maybe yes, maybe I would say that. That's why I don't write for them. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody writes for them anymore. They inspired their whole content team. Very good point. Yeah. Also, out. Shout out to the homies who were there. Yeah. What's happening in your world, Mike? I feel like so much has happened. There's so much going on. Oh, I saw the rough cut of our video that's dropping, where we're so high because we did the cobbler video for Gold Leaf, oh and my God. then we tried to double up after tasting that 25 milligram per piece cobbler. Man, this video that's coming out, y'all. If I. I want you to see it, but I'm so <laughs> high in it that it's it's like there it's are pretty wild. Parts that perfectly capture two people just doing their best to get through a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the name of the series? We're just doing our best to get through a moment. Well, I think what was <laughs> ouch, but well, also true. Well, well, for me, what was so funny about it was like I had a great time making the video with you, but at the same time, I was hyper aware of the fact that I was like just kind of like putting one foot in front of the other to get kind of through it. And then watching it back, 
I realized like just like I'm like kind of holding my body strangely. I'm drinking a lot of water. <laughs> my blinking is much slower than normal. I was just very sort of you know, yeah, in a weird medicated spot. But in it was the po- great. in a different pocket. I was in a different pocket. You were in like the fifth pocket. I was like in your pocket. In my- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was great. Oh man, I can't wait for everyone to see it. And also, um, we just got a pet jotter for Archie, right? Yeah, isn't this fucking cool? So this is the Gold Leaf Pet Jotter, which was created to help you track um, what you're giving your pet if you're like dosing an anxious dog or an old cat with some CBD for maybe some skin conditions or anxiety or whatever. It's the coolest little thing. And every page you can enter the dose and the time you gave it to them, and then the timeline for like how. The pet reacts to it. So if you gave uh, a really high CBD level dog biscuit mm-hmm. to make up a dog name? Uh, Archie Moo. Okay. Well, also a fact. <laughs> My dog right here. The what if to make up a dog when what I have were, a dog, Mike? What if you were a spy and you were like, and like the, all the bad guys pulled guns on you and they're like, what's your name? <laughs> I'd be like, Ari Majane. Igabibson. <laughs> Just mixing it up. Worst spy. Yeah. Make up a dog name. My dog. Archie. Yeah. Mar- Marchie Moo. Archie, Mr. Marchie Moo. I can't yeah. No. So if you're making a CBD dog biscuit for Archie Moo, you can keep track of it in your dog jotter. Yes. Which I have done because he has some great treats that came through. These like little hemp treats and they actually do chill him out. And I've noted them in my pet jotter. Really? Mm-hmm. He's, or- he's an anxious guy. He is anxious. Yeah. He's emo, huh? He is kind of emo. He's a bit of an emo dog. He really likes the Imagine Dragons. <laughs> um, if you want one of these pet chatters, go to Goldleaf at Shop Goldleaf or at Goldleaf on Instagram. And what is it about their Goldleaf Instagram that you have to remember? Oh, it has no O, so it's Goldleaf. 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 Ugh. <laughs> but I like it. Hey, yo, holidays are right around the corner. You may as well get a gold leaf for somebody that you love. Or if you love yourself, get one for yourself. Yeah. Or both. They have cool wall art. Go check them out. Oh my gosh. When we were at Magical Butter filming for that stuff coming up. Oh, yeah. And they had that huge terp art on mm-hmm. the wall from Gold Leaf. I didn't put two and two together. And it's fucking beautiful. It's gorgeous. They've got these walnut rails it's that so you hang big. it with. And then the terp. Like their designs are really great. And that breaks down all the different terpenes. So it'd be perfect for, you know, an aspiring chef. Yeah. A chef. And by the way, uh, those Magical Butter videos, uh, they're going to be... I don't even want to talk about we them We can't talk much. about them yet, right? Yeah. Okay. But um, <laughs> that was three days of just pure joy. Yeah. Like just saying yes and in the kitchen with a bunch of wackadoodles. It was amazing. I'm having the best time. Okay. We can talk more about it maybe when things get closer to that thing. Yep. Okay. Sweet. I will say my Butter of the Week does have to do with our trip to Magical Butter. So can I go first for Buds of the Week? Absolutely. My Butter of the Week this week was the really nice American Airlines person who helped us when we had a million hour delay and she sat down with me and we spoke very calmly Mm -hmm. and she gave us meal vouchers and said this is completely not your fault let me help you in every way i can and get you really good seats on a flight that we can like accommodate you on there was no flex there was no there was no nothing and you always go to the airport ready to put up your dukes because airports fucking suck and my word of the week is that really nice person who worked at the american airlines um, the desk in Miami? Desk in the, Miami. It was like the rebooking center. The rebooking center. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, because God damn it. There's nothing. I've lost my luggage on flights going to Paris. Oh, yeah. I've lost my luggage in Detroit. I've lost my luggage. I thought I was holding it, and then it was like on the tarmac. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And it's always a fucking nightmare, but she was not. She was a beautiful, beautiful human. So thank you so much. Wow. 
Yeah. God, what a great butt of the week. That's my butt of the week this week. Yeah, we need people who very calm and patient people in, in those jobs because they have to put up with so much. They must, and you know, when they're cool and dealing with you when you're stressed, it yeah. just means so much. My butt of the week is Zobel at Zobel97. At Z-O-B-E-L-L-97. She wrote to us and just said, Hey, Mary Jane and Mike, I love listening to the podcast. I listen while I get ready in the morning and drive. I hope federal legalization is down the pipeline soon. I want to try all the fabulous products you have on the show, but I'm in Texas. Mm. So come to California or, you know, hopefully they'll legalize in Texas soon. She says, thank you for everything you do. So maybe we'll see you in Texas sometime soon. We might. Definitely come visit LA. And um, thanks for writing. Yeah. Bud of the week, Zobel. Nice bud of the week. Yeah. You want to go to our VIB? I do. Our very important bud. Our very important bud. Kylo Quinn. Kylo Quinn from Portugal the Man. We were interviewed, or sorry, we were introduced to Kyle by our friend Zoe, who wrote about him uh, for Leafly in 2017 when he launched a series in Portland where he combined classical piano, a concert with um, craft cannabis. Doing like, here is a piece by Rachmaninoff, mm-hmm. and I'm pairing it with Critical Mass, and here's why. Yeah. I love the here's why. He tells us all about it in this interview. He slipped away from a show, like he was playing a sold out show that night at the Troubadour, and like took off to meet us at Sweet Flower Dispensary for an hour before the show, which was so amazing. Thank you so much to Sweet Flower for hosting us. And before we get into Kyle, can I just give a shout out to Sweet Flower, a personal one as well? Yeah. Okay. Well, because they're pro- they're across from the Hollywood Improv where I do Glazed, and so as soon as they opened up shop, I went over there and they wanted to support Glazed, and well, now they could we see got your to... picture on the marquee. I know yeah, that that probably helped, <laughs> yeah. but like I just if you're ever in LA and you're looking for a really beautiful dispensary that'll take care of you, make you feel good, even if it's your first time, and they have top high-end, the best of the best stuff. Yeah. I just rock with it. Okay, so thank you for giving me the space to do that before we launch into Kyle, because he is absolutely incredible. He is the most interesting, chill, cool person. I want to hang out with him and just listen to him play piano for... Well, when he starts doing these all over the country and all over the world, I uh, I think we'll it, we'll become groupies and we'll just be like going to every single one in every single city. Yeah. Can I say one more thing about Portugal the Man? Absolutely. I will rock with any band artist person who is creating art that they believe in and deep down resonates with them while giving back to the world and making the world a better place yeah i will ride with you forever and it is so positively heartwarming to see how portugal the man travels all over the world Mm -hmm. yet still is like creating charities and making the world a better place while they're in it they're putting their money where their mouth is they're releasing important statements that are backing causes that are near and dear to my heart like supporting Planned Parenthood and more you know they they probably support something that you believe in because they're out there doing a lot of good work yes they are yeah Thank you. I kind of hijacked it with my own personal opinions when Kyle is the guest today. So thank you very much. He was a very wonderful person to speak with. And here without further ado is our interview with Kyle O'Quinn. Hi, everyone. As you know, Mike and I love to travel and we love to check out new shops everywhere we go. Yeah. One of our favorite places to go is Vegas. What's up, Vegas? What up? Yo, life is beautiful. The Fremont experience. Any reason at all? Any Seriously, any reason at all. Do you want to go right now? Yes, let's go. Well, while we're there, we should go to to our favorite dispensary, Euphoria Wellness. They were the first dispensary to open in Las Vegas, and they have won multiple Best of Las Vegas awards. Right? You open first, and you do it the best? Mm -hmm. Sign me up. I loved 
how when we got to Euphoria, the staff was super welcoming. So nice. And then check-in was super quick. And then the best part, you have an experienced wellness guide with you so they can walk you through the entire process and help you select the best products for what you need. And they have a huge selection of flour, edibles, cartridges, and tons more. And their house brand of flour, which is called Suma. So good. It's amazing. Yeah, Suma. Um, Yo, Suma. honestly, you walk in there, you go through check-in, and then you have a wellness guide walk you through, and then you get Suma. Yeah. Stop. That's so, so good. Check them out the next time you're in Vegas. Their website is euphoriawellnessnv.com. That's euphoriawellnessnv, like for Nevada, dot com. Yeah, and use our special promo code GRUB, and you'll get 10% off your next visit at the dispensary. Keep out of reach of children. For use only by adults 21 years of age and older. No other coupons or discounts apply. You did it like one of the... That sounded yeah, right? so good. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Go to euphoriawellnessnv.com. Oh my god! Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! Did you like my owl? That was such a good cool, when you were like, I want to do an owl, and mm-hmm. I was like, what does that even mean? That's so amazing. <laughs> You're such a nature person. Oh, it's thank you. Happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween, everyone. I'm gonna magical butter my edibles this Halloween. What about you, Mike? Yeah, duh. There's nothing I want to do more than make a bunch of edibles at home and then bring them to my Halloween party. Let everyone know that they're dosed. Yes. And keep I, away from children. Keep away from children and just really have a great time thanks to my home MB machine. Yeah, at magicalbutter.com. And can I tell you a little uh, Halloween treat recipe that I have going on this week? Oh, okay, because I was going to make gummies, so I'd love to hear something uh, that you're rocking with. I'm going to infuse some uh, coconut oil with my magical butter machine, and then I'm going to make these five-ingredient almond butter cups, which are chocolate-covered. So you basically take dark chocolate and melt it, and then you mix it with coconut oil and vanilla extract for the chocolate layer, and then you mix almond butter, honey, and infused coconut oil, and then you basically put them in muffin tin liners, and you can make homemade almond butter cups which you could use also you could do peanut butter but sure, i'm allergic you're, you're allergic so almond butter is the move oh yeah, my gosh with infused coconut oil infused oh delicious so delicious right yeah, yeah and you can make a bunch of them at home mm-hmm. so that you're not dropping 50 60 on one yeah. with some crazy tax markup and they keep in the freezer yeah Ooh, a frozen almond butter peanut butter almond it's hard to say chocolate almond butter cup yeah not a reese's uh Mises. no yeah a Mises. an mj you're right. I'm stealing your I'm fucking <laughs> stolen valor over here. <laughs> but yeah, I think that that's a, that's a fun one. You can also use them to make gummies and tinctures and all sorts of other delicious stuff. Ghee. Yeah, so use the ghee. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Can you tee up an owl? So, Because I'm going to say our promo code real quick. Sure. Okay. So everybody follow Magical Butter on Instagram at Magical Butter and go to MagicalButter.com. And at checkout, use the promo code Weed and Grub for 20% off. That's amazing. Magicalbutter.com. <laughs> I'm a weirdo, just so you know. Like, I just lock myself at home and I just read books and play piano and smoke weed and smoke DMT and eat a bunch of food. Go hiking and just oh, like. Can we start with one of those and then keep going down the list yeah, of all the things go. you just yeah. said? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, uh, I'm picturing paperback books. Like worn, like you go to bookstores and you find a paperback and you totally. do it. Is that, am I on the right track? Absolutely. Really? Yeah, because I got to travel with them. So if they're too heavy, buying books on the road. And we go on tour for a couple months, so I'll bring, bring a handful. But yeah, I'm kind of like a vinyl guy. Like I like holding a real book. Mm-hmm. The only book I ever read on an iPad was Infinite Jest because I didn't want to be a douchebag like carrying that around <laughs> reading it. It was like, that. you don't want to be that guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's so that's the only book I read on an iPad. And I got no feeling of progress, you know, because it was just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. 
That's so funny to be like super self-aware of whatever it is that you're reading in public. There's a there's a joke uh, book covers that you can buy to read on the subway in I've New York. Se- have you I've ever seen, seen that? I have seen those. They're, they're pretty great. <laughs> pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're reading about horses, but it's actually existential dread. Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so you, went to, you grew up in Seattle? Mm-hmm. And, but now you're in Portland. Now I'm in Portland, yeah. For like the last eight years or so. Nice. I was reading you went to school in Bellevue. Mm-hmm. Are you from the area? Uh, my sister lives in Port Townsend. Okay, cool. And I was in Seattle for like four years, like 2000 to 2004. Great place to grow up. Mm-hmm. Like until we started traveling, I didn't realize how lucky we were. Like we grew up in like a really cool music scene. Like yeah. I remember like watching the Blood Brothers and I was like 14 at the Whoa, Redmond Firehouse, really? like on the east side there. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is what a rock and roll show is. And then like this weird thing happened in Seattle where a lot of the bands that started getting big all went on tour at the same time. Kind of just share the city with the world and the scene kind of dips a little bit but when we started touring when i was like 18 i was like holy shit like nowhere has these music scenes like you kind of assume that other places have stuff and they just don't yeah i mean i grew up in newfoundland like in the far east coast of canada and seattle was it for us and for the whole world yeah. definitely in the 90s in vancouver just, yeah i feel like i mean i used to, i went to college in bellingham for like a couple weeks <laughs> and uh <laughs> We used to go up to Canada just to get wasted, you know, we're 19. And whenever I drive up, I was like, this looks like a city from the future. For some reason, I feel like when the world just goes to shit or even worse, you know, in like 20 years, I feel like Vancouver, B.C. is going to be an awesome place. Yeah? Like, it, yeah, I just got a good, just has a vibe. Yeah, they've got the good weed. They've got great food. They've got mountains. Yep. They've got ocean. They've got islands to escape to. I'm big on the mountains and the water. It's kind of important just because we always grew up with it. And all the bandmates from Alaska, like mountains are standard. Like we need those. Yeah. 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 Do you go up to Alaska as a, as a group together? Yeah, we go up at least once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just up there recently trying to raise some money. They're doing some terrible things, cutting, cutting a lot of funding for it. Like, cut something like 40% of the state's budget for like, like, well, like arts and educate, like everything you don't want cut. So mm-hmm. we went up there to try to, you know, just like help. Power Rangers, like the Power Rangers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, trying <laughs> <laughs> to save the world, man. Fuck yeah, <laughs> try. I love the uh, reading about the Easter eggs in the video for you know like linking the causes for um, like Planned Parenthood yep. and like just the furor that it caused with some like conservative folks because you were, you know kicking up statements with music and you know i mean i like that it was an easter egg thing Mm -hmm. because i'm not really about like pushing stuff on people and we weren't really doing that like it was a great video on its own and it's like if people wanted to search they were actively trying to find that stuff and like the real point of it was like it's really hard to find like the right charities to give like what a fucked up thing to be like i want to (laughs) help this cause and there's like a lot of like weird corrupt like you know, but like the money just doesn't go where it's supposed to. So we teamed up with Wyden Kennedy and we just like vetted out 30 places that we just, hey, if you want to help with this, go here. So. Wyden Kennedy has the coolest offices in Portland I think I've ever been. Like they have that yep. bird nest thing, right? It's the coolest, yeah. They're an ad agency behind some of the coolest ad campaigns. Oh, really? They are some of the smartest, funniest people. Like, I mean, we worked with them on our last record mm-hmm. only because like all of our best friends in Portland the funniest, smartest people we knew all worked at Wyden Kennedy. Yeah. We were just like, hey, why don't we just try this something together? Do you have dream creative things that kind of like that video that you're still like sitting on that you're like, ooh, I can't wait till I have the opportunity to do this? 
I'm sitting on a lot of ideas. Yeah. 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 I've like, I don't know, like I'm like patient and I kind of like build up what I want to do and try to achieve it over time. Like I think my whole higher education classical weed thing I want to do is like something I've been like, I did a test one like years ago just for fun. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it went really, really well. So I was like, but now when I'm home, because it's really hard to keep up my chops. Like when I go on the tour for a couple months, like sit down and play Beethoven's not and stuff. So I go home, I play like five hours a day just to keep my chops up because I'm like, because wow. I'm trying to like set up like multiple lectures. So it's like, I got to read books and I got to like do all my shit, you know, and like keep up on all my info. So, because like I like to like just memorize things. Like if I need to like look at something to recall it, I don't feel like I really know it. So I'll read multiple books, you know, one by Franz Liszt, one Chopin's letters, and one by like a critic, and they'll, they'll all kind of reference a, a same concert. And then you can see different people's opinions and just take, I'll, I'll, I'll like read a book and maybe three of the stories will stick with me. So I'll be like, oh, those are the three that stuck with me. So I'll, I'll share those stories. Wow. Then do you end up realizing that there was a theme or a through line to it at all? Or is that not something that is important? Well, kind of, sl- it is important because I'm trying to like give people a lot of information, but I want it to be like fun, you know? Yeah. Like I, I, I mean, you never know where things are going, but it seems like with podcasts and stuff, there's like a market emerging for like people to have longer form conversations. I think that's kind of the stuff I really like to do is like when I find author, I like I read every book they wrote. Like, but if I don't, like I'll like really pick who I want to dive into. When I do, I'm like, let's like really dive into this and try to break it apart. But so getting people high is just an easier way to have them sit down and listen to the classical. Like, it just gives yeah. me the benefit of the doubt. You know, all I'm doing is just trying to help me out, like, just getting them all high. But I only, I only did the one, and it was like, uh, that's where I met Zoe, and it was really, really cool. Like, I've, I've played thousands of concerts. I've never had anybody just, that many people just come up and, like, shake my hand and be like, thank you. Can, wow. I, ask, can I ask you, is, like, do you, I think you might uh, screw with string theory a bit? I started reading a book called Einstein's Violin, that yeah. was this, uh, but it's totally in my shit. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's fucking wild. You just made me think. I was like, I wonder if other versions of you have already done those projects and are doing different projects than you're doing right now. The multiverse? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like to think so. I like to think this is like a really good one. Like we're, we're in a really good place and we're lucky to be here. And so hopefully other me's are having a great time too. Oh, absolutely. I think all me's are stoned and playing music and just trying to have a good time. <laughs> That's yeah. the best sentence I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, been, I've been diving down that little rabbit hole, like multiverses and stuff, because, like, Paul Stamets is from, or he does a lot of work in Portland. I mean, obviously, anything related to, like, mushrooms and stuff is, like, mm-hmm. all, like, old growth, Washington State. Like, yeah. That's my shit. <laughs> Going out to the rainforest, you know? Eating mushrooms. Where did we go? We were in the hoe. That's right. That's, oh my God. Did you go to the moss trail? We traveled in. We were trying to find one square inch of silence. Do you know about that no. spot? It was actually mapped as the quietest spot in the lower wow. 48. Oh, that's incredible. And it's marked with like, you know, a tiny little red rock. And if you can find it, you know that you're there. But, it, you know, if you're within anywhere near there, you're, it's the heart of the hoe is one of the most that's... incredible, mossy, quiet places. We saw a herd of elk. Yeah, well, me too. I woke up and I was like, I counted 17 elk. I was like, this is crazy. Uh, were you, ha- you camped? I camped right outside because I, I did like the, the moss trail, mm-hmm. which took me like three hours. 
and I walked it the next day and it took me 10 minutes. Like, I think I was just like, <laughs> I was like walking so slow. And like, I remember it was like the equivalent of like an amusement park. Like at one point I just like lied on the ground next to a tree and was just like, not cold, like the middle of the night. I was just like, I'm one with the tree. Like, it was yes. just, it's like some yeah. fucking hippie dumb shit, but it's fucking really special and really important it to is. do. It's so magical. Like the banana slugs are incredible. Every, every you ever lick them? Lick a banana slug? Have yeah. you? It makes your tongue dumb. Oh, I'd love to do that. I've done it. It's been a while. Oh. <laughs> it's been a while. You have to try next time I see one. Yeah. Or not. Do it. <laughs> I want to do that. Did you know about it before? Or were you like, I want to lick this? And then you learned that it made your tongue numb? We were kids. Like, I don't know. We're just, it was just something I always knew. Maybe it was just like some... We were always just out in the woods and stuff growing really? up. Yeah. What does it do? I, I didn't until we met and we started in Alaska and we uh-huh. worked our way down on a trip. And I've, I grew up in the Midwest, so nature is... Uh, scarce totally um i hadn't been camping until last year so like to hear <laughs> i know man that's crazy <laughs> yeah, it was great we went to the mojave yeah oh, man. Like, it was so special yeah um but to hear you talking about nature like it's just so important to you oh 100 percent. yeah it's like super super important um because we're just losing it <laughs> you yeah. know and that goes into all the phones and everything you know that's why like the classical stuff and just reading books is just like it's refreshing just to kind of get off the grid and just get in touch with some things that are just like real and tangible. Like part of the reason I like playing classical music and I haven't done any recordings, even though like I totally could and I'm kind of prepping for it and all the, all the lectures, but I don't do it for any reason. Like I don't really show people or play publicly. So Mm -hmm. like when I do it in my room, it just like, it makes it like really pure because there's no, weird reason why I'm doing it it's not for attention it's not for money it's just because I love it so I was like I love like what do I love most in the world like I love playing classical music I love smoking weed so I was like how could I take the things that I love and share it and make it like something that I can do so that was kind of my but there's there's cool there's these like Russian composer uh, Alexander Shriavin who has like he was first famous for having synthesia as a composer oh interesting so he made color wheels so I want to play his pieces like uh, F sharp is purple, like his spiritual key. And he was a genius. He was fucking crazy. Like he, uh, he based his color system off Newton's uh, for light. So like not all of that, some of the keys are open to account for like gamma rays or x-rays or stuff like that. And here's what's crazy about him. I mean, he started just, he abandoned key signatures halfway through and was just like, all music is from the major. And he was a psycho, like his journals, like, yeah, some of the craziest shit you've ever read. He's just like, I am God, I am God. And he was like, he was born on Christmas and he died on Easter. <laughs> yeah, like it's crazy Whoa. shit. So like near the, I, I mean, I could talk about this guy for hours, but at the end of his career, he had this thing called the Mysterium. And it was this concert that he was planning and he died while he was planning it. But he had these sketches of it and it was supposed to take place in the Himalayan mountains. And it was like this half dome that was going to be on the lake. So it looked like a floating ball. And then it had like six things around it, which I, I'm guessing represent 12 you know, notes for music. And then nobody was gonna be a spectator. He was very into like omni art, like combining things. So like over the music, it'll be like, I want the scent of roses over this beautiful part. And everybody was, it was gonna be every art form. And where it gets crazy is at the end of it, the world was gonna end and we were all gonna be reborn as like more no- noble beings. <laughs> like crazy Whoa. shit. And he never finished it, but one of the last pieces he wrote is 
crazy. It's like built off force. It was called like the Mystic Chord. And it, he's like, doesn't it just feel like he could go on forever? And he was telling Rimsky Korsakov, this great Russian musician, he was, he was like, this isn't music. He was like, no, it's the Mysterium. He was like, I messed up, like telling people how to play it and stuff. He's like, you should look at this piece like a prism where you could walk around it and shine light. And any different perspective you look at it, you're going to get something different. So he kind of like opened up this way. But um, like Aaron Copeland even said, like, the biggest mistake of musical history was Scriabin putting his ideas of the future into the straitjacket forms of the past. Putting ideas of the future in the straitjacket forms of the past. Yeah. Because he would write, he was he loved Chopin, so he would write mazurkas, and he would write his sonatas are like some of the most important since Beethoven probably. But he was so famous when he died that you had to buy tickets to his funeral, and then he, and then he was immediately forgotten. Like there was guys in history that like thought they were going to be like a Beethoven. Mm-hmm. Then it was like history kind of picks and chooses, and it was like certain people just didn't make the cut. Mm. But it was kind of like a rock show because. He was like, I want lights inside the Mysterium, and I want fog. I want the walls to move with the music. It was essentially the first rock and roll show. Wow. Yeah. When was this? Uh, this was like 1915, 14-ish. Yeah. Like on his deathbed, he was like sketching. Uh, he was sketching bells that he wanted to hang from clouds to let everybody know that the concert was happening. He was like, just like, he's just one of those guys where it's like, you read a book about him and it feels like you dropped acid or something. Like, yeah. it's just like inspiring, like straight up. Like people be like, he was so crazy, but when you talked to him, you wanted to believe him because he was just so passionate about it. And he was super, super smart, like, wow. like genius. Like the Russian military, he was taking first place in all the military tests for Russia. And they were like, we wanted to keep these tests for all our future and we know you're gonna play music. So they cut him a deal and they were like, if you don't take the test, we'll let you play some music every day. So when he was like a kid. Wow. Holy cow. Yeah, super cool stuff. Super cool stuff. Yeah. Wait, are you working on something based on that? I mean, he's just somebody who just inspires me. Like, I love if there was a piano here, I'd play, he'd be like, this is crazy. Like, yeah. it's unbelievable. Um, but I think I'm going to do one of my lectures. Like, the first half will be on him. And I'm trying to connect them all, because like, I'll introduce Chopin and Rachmaninoff, and then Rachmaninoff and Scriabin were classmates. So kind of as I introduce things to people, like, giving them a reference point so you're not just, like, totally lost. Like, my whole thing is, like, hey, we should all listen, check out this music. It's like, when it, one relation it has with weed is, like, there's all these aspects that are measurable. Like, this is... THC is 27%, you know, 0.2 in this. These are all exact measurable things, just like a piece of music. Like, that's an eighth note. It's going to be held for this long as all this. But you could have a room full of people listen to a piece of music and smoke the same weed, and every single person is going to have a different response. So I'm like, I'm just going to give you, like, a sample, kind of introduce you to these people. But, like, um, we don't smoke all the weeds all the time. Like, maybe you like some Beethoven at night or... Chopin in the morning, like Estiva or Indica. Like, I'm just kind of like putting it out there. Yeah. Chopin in the morning is an awesome strain name, by the way. <laughs> that is awesome. What an awesome strain. <laughs> yeah, see, and then what I'm doing is like, I don't, it's not just the pairing with the strand. It's like all of these different qualities. So like, Chopin's like, he's like Elliot Smith. Like, Beethoven's like, da-da-da-da. He's like yelling this message to everybody, and we're all hearing the same message. Chopin's like Elliot Smith, where you're at the concert, everybody's having a one-on-one connection. And they say, not that people like Chopin. One of the students said, it's not that people like Chopin, but they like themselves in him. 
like so you connect with him like that. Mm. So he's like this like indie guy. So like I play like I pair him only with a uh, it's sativa because it's like all very heady and not like a body high, you know. Like they say uh, his dan- his waltzes. Like whenever I play Chopin waltz, people start like waltzing like a Strauss. But they're, they're, uh, his waltzes were for the soul, not the body. So it's not not an indica strand. But then like Beethoven is smoking a blunt of hybrid. And and I I, I yes. played I played pathetic at at the first higher education and it was uh it's like a twenty five minute sonata and I paired it with Blue Dream and explained how he was an award winning hybrid and he blended classical into romantic. And I played the first piece of romantic music technically. So then I really wanna like if I can differentiate people between Chopin and Beethoven, it opens up a lot of other then you could start breaking them apart, but I think for the next one, I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to really pitch Beethoven as the hybrid. So I'm going to bring a cello player, my buddy Sam, and he's, we're going to play a piano cello sonata. And he'll be like, I'm Sam. The cello is the same, resonates with the male voice. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be playing the indica strand. I'll be like, hey, I'm Kyle. I'm playing the sativa, all the tinkly high, cerebral shit. Together, we are, you know. Fucking hybrid. We're a hybrid, yeah. Wow. Or like for Rachmaninoff, he has some pieces that are, four hands, one piano. So I was like, me and my buddy could play, and it would be like, when you smoke weed and eat an edible. <laughs> yes. And then I want to do the whole street oven where I'll pair him with the color wheels, so like Purple Haze or something with Purple or Granddaddy Purple with F Sharp. You know, wow. maybe C, you could do like a Strawberry Cough or something with red hairs. So like, there's like multiple different ways to kind of, like pairing the strands, but just kind of talking about them and different ways you smoke weed. Like Beethoven's like, pastoral symphony like walking outside smoking a blunt like That's pick it. up a leaf off the ground and roll it for weed that's like totally his style you're making me i just want to see this whole thing as a concert at the gorge or red rocks or some incredible outdoor I, amphitheater like I, I started playing like classical concerts it's like i like to keep them kind of small and intimate because mm-hmm. it's like i used to do the sorrento hotel we have the stranger in seattle it's like the mercury in portland and uh i would just do a silent reading night with the editor of the stranger and we would invite a bunch of people to this old hotel called the Sorrento. It's like built in the 20s. Like all my family's four generations in Seattle. Like my great grandpa would like, oh yeah, during Prohibition, I would do reports. He'd like, you go down that alley, you know, on Second and Pine. I'm like, yeah. He's like, this is the knock. So like, uh... there's like pictures of him like in the 30s coming from Canada. And he's like 5'3 in his prime, like a little Jewish guy in a white suit with AK-47 smuggling whiskey backs like all my family like these little jewish people all gray hair uh-huh. all drink canadian whiskey it's just like it's like seattle's like it's like my grandpa used to like hang out at the sorrento so yeah I like, so i'd go there and play and it was like we'd fill like 70 people just a small little like awesome vibe room and yeah. the, only, the only rules were just no talking we're like thank you for coming we're gonna read books for the next 90 minutes and i'll just sit there and play classical so like i was trying to get like these really like cool places and vibes like i kind of want to i don't know hmm I kind of want to like put them on and be like, the only way to come to another one is if you came last time, you could bring somebody with you. Yeah. To kind of like keep it like, like I could, I wouldn't mind touring with it, you know, like taking mm-hmm. it and not like tour, like with a band, but. But like, like a salon series, kind of like yeah. with trusted people. Yeah. Like go to this, go to the States that we can go. Mm-hmm. And I want the whole thing to be, like, I grew up super privileged. I got to piano lessons or play like French horn, like all these I get big lessons for every instrument, so I was like, my only rule is like, if I ever play classical, like, the money's donated. <laughs> yeah. Like, the whole, like I, I guess in my head where I would, I picture this scenario, because like we're cool with like Berkeley and stuff, you know. Of course. But I'm like, 
I like stirring up trouble. Like, I like, <laughs> I like things, you know, like controversial. In fact, I'm really interested to see how, like, a school, like a board at a school would react to me, like, talking to their students. And if they saw that the students were more engaged than normal, because I'm, like, talking about strands of weed that they know. And, like, I play in a band. But it's like, what would they, would they exit out? at the sake of teaching kids about music, you know? And just to like show people that you can take things like cannabis and you could use it as like a cross-discipline to like educate people and then use that money to invest it back into like communities and schools, shit like that. Hmm. I've never heard a better idea that I've never heard before. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, having them all be high is good for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're like, oh wow, that's great shit, you know? Like, that's the real transcendent moment when you, you like, you get it. Yeah. You get, I, you know, that's the, that's the whole, I, I we just saw David Crosby play recently and we oh, smoked awesome. a joint before the show and I was sitting there and I was like, I totally get it. Yeah. Totally. I get it, man. Yep. It's really cool. And connects you through the, through the ages. Yeah. Too. And, and I stole the idea. I took it. There was like a absolutely incredible, but Leonard Bernstein did uh, the Norton lecture series, like mm-hmm. uh, Harvard does them like super famous people like Aaron Copeland did one like way back in the day and he based he did this whole it's actually six lectures but it's based on he relates music to Chomsky's analysis of language yeah so it's like super cool where it's like each sentence like Jack loves Jill it's like does Jack love Jill Jack doesn't love Jill there's like eight iterations of it so he takes like these chords where it's like one, three, five, is Jack loves Jill. If it's a minor, Jack doesn't love Jill. And then you add like a question, like the Oh Darling chord from, that's like a question. Mm-hmm. So it's like Jack loves Jill. So then that's your verb. And then you start playing sentences. So I was like showing them like, uh, this is the theme for fate. Here's tricky fate, evil fate. And then I played it in a sentence. Like this is silly fate walking, you know? And he kind of, so I was like, that was like my inspiration for like the cross discipline. Cause I was like, these are such complicated ideas being told at the most basic level and everybody understands it. It's mm-hmm. so like the actual first poster for the first thing that, and like the programs, I took this like picture of like Leonard Bernstein at his desk with like a piano and chalkboard behind him and black and white picture. I just like photoshopped a big joint. And, his, <laughs> <laughs> and then I wrote higher education on the chalkboard. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that was where I took it from. And that was like in this like cool setting. Like they filmed it in this awesome, awesome way. So I was like, I was talking with the guys at Wyden about it and stuff because they were there and they really liked it. And I was just like, there is no way the internet needs any more videos on YouTube of like people playing piano with their house. I was just like, mm-hmm. I won't, like I won't do a video of just like, just that crap. Like everybody's doing it. Like even great conductors like Daniel Barenboim is doing these things like five minutes on Beethoven and they're great, but it's like, just the same old visual. I was like, I would almost, instead of like filming the concert, I would rather film me preparing for it. And just like behind the scenes of me hanging out at the Portugal space and like at my house. And then I could like do elements like, I really want to say this in the lecture, but I can't. But I really wanted to say it for this reason. So it gives me like a loophole to explain like the behind the scenes instead of just like showing what the actual concert was. Is there a series where you pair uh, music with psychedelics? I want this, I think this could be a giant series. Like, I'd be willing to do the template for music, but um, once you get a certain amount of keywords, like contrast and just a few, you can really bullshit your way through anything. So, like, I could 
our bass player is a great photographer. He's like, we could do one on photography. We could do one. We could do them on all kinds of different arts. I could, do a, I could probably do one on books, mm-hmm. different what? authors, just because I read enough. But I think it'd be it'd be like a cool umbrella thing of like all these different. But I was like, I'll like set a template. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Like yeah. I'm like, it'll be a lot of work, but yeah, I love it. I do it. I do it anyways. I just don't. I just don't share it. So, like, yeah. I was kind of surprised that people were digging it so much. Yeah. If music is language, is it also math to you? Music's very related to math. I was a big math guy. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't like reading books as a veteran. I was younger. I think it's, I just don't like doing anything that people tell me I have to do. So I, I started reading adamantly the second I didn't have to. But music's so math. It's all just math. Like mm-hmm. when you understand theory and stuff, you understand it. And, terms of numbers because it's all related to each other so it's like if I hear a song on the radio I don't have perfect pitch I can't be like that's a E minor to a B to a C but I can be like oh it's one major three four because they're all like in relation to each other so then hey what keys it in and then I, I can play it for you but so you, you take all the letters in music and you reduce it down to numbers so you can apply it to any key or any theory mm-hmm. so you're memorizing formulas is that kind of how or or like sequences is that kind of how kind piano of. works it's kind of weird when you get, like, I, yeah. I don't know. Like, sometimes it's, like, I get these, like, I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. They're, like, weird little emotions. Or, you're like, when you see, like, how the piano's playing. And sometimes I'll, like, look down at my hands, and it's, like, what the fuck? I can't even believe I'm doing this. Like, it's so disconnected. Like, I just listen to the pieces by how everybody plays them. They are all my favorite people, and I just kind of, like, totally internalize them, you know, until I just try to understand. It'll take me years sometimes. I'll be, like, Melody was in the left hand. Like, what was I doing? Like, trying to be a showy guy playing the fast stuff in the right hand, then you realize and you get a little more control. And you're like, don't try to show off. And you find this really dark. And it'll take me years to find. There's like this old guy, Alfred Cortot. He's like the Andy Warhol, like Paris in the 30s. Like, ran the schools. Just, just like, it looks like a nut. And then he's like, you must find the opium in the music. The opium? Like, yeah. And there was, I, I always think about that when I, when find I hear the opium. He's incredible, yeah. Who, is there, would you say there's a composer who's taught you the most? I like a lot of them for different reasons. Mm. I mean, when I look at like Beethoven's like sonatas, like it's like the Bible for music. Mm-hmm. Like maybe like Bach would be like the Old Testament, and Beethoven's would be like the New Testament. <laughs> That's pretty great. <laughs> but I don't like. I was gonna pair. Like I don't really like Bach that much, and it's. I I, I openly say that because. It's okay not to like all these people. Mm-hmm. Is he too stuffy? A little bit. I mean, I'll be open to say I wouldn't have any composer that I... There wouldn't be any of the music, any of it without Bach. But, like, on the first one, I was going to... I was going to put him on the top and pair him with, like, a 62% CBD, 0% THC, <laughs> and then scratch it out, right? I wasn't feeling it. <laughs> Just to, like, keep it tied in and be like, I'm not going to play him. But. When you are creating new music with Portugal are you how are you approaching like your role in the band when you're like are you able to bring these influences with you that you're like I'm vibing on these people that I'm reading right now so that's where I'm at so I'm able to bring that into the music you're creating together yeah we must definitely bring like ideas from ideas from books like we'll share them and talk about them openly I mean everybody in our band is like really smart (laughs) Like, I'm kind of a dummy. <laughs> like, everybody's, like, really fucking smart. So it's, like, and really good at certain things. So, like, we're, like, a total team. And we all, 
like I, what I do, nobody else does, and they do things that I don't do, and we all kind of play our parts. But a lot of that is like I'm really good at like string arranging and all the instrument stuff because I've studied it. I mean, not I never went to school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You said you went for a week, and you were I like, I already like, know I, what I'm going to do. I literally so people didn't. I, I kind of kept it a secret. I played piano because I played drums in all my bands, and I was like, I wanted to be a drummer. I mean, I was. I still am. But when I was 18, I let people know I played piano, and. I, my favorite band in Seattle at the time, I played piano in a couple songs on their record, and they were like, hey, we're doing a CD release show, and we want to do the whole record. Will you come play piano? It was like at El, El Corazon or Graceland at the time. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, I'd love to. And we're practicing. And they're like, hey, can you do some percussion? I was like, yeah, I can do whatever. And then he, now he's one of my best friends, but Bobby's like, you should come on tour with us. And this is Wednesday night. And like my first quarter of college. And I was like, when do you leave? They're like, Friday after the show. I was like, dude, I'm in college. It's like, <laughs> when th- tomorrow's Thursday, and I, I just went and dropped out the next day. Dro- that- drove to Philadelphia after the show. I didn't even really know them. And we did like 250, 300 shows Whoa. each year. And then uh, Portugal was on the last tour of that. I always just like wrote down with people that I play music with. Yeah. I think I'm very unthreatening. Like, no singer's going to be like, oh, this guy's going to steal my job. <laughs> but I'm like, hey, I want to help write better songs. So, like, we would just always hang out. And I, I played keys on some of their earlier stuff. Nobody played keys. It's a really good job, security. Nice. You know? Yeah. 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 As opposed yeah. to being like a guitar player. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Tough Someone's gig. always coming for you. Always. Yeah. yeah. When you uh, were doing those tours, were you self booking them too? So you were just living it? Uh, we had a booking agent. Yeah? Yeah. Dave Shapiro. Oh, shout out Dave Shapiro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was a, did he used to chase promoters down the street when they wouldn't pay us and shit. Really? <laughs> yeah. Those are the real stories. Those are real. I mean, there were, there were many that like Portugal would play, like sell out, like for years, they'd give you like a hundred bucks and a pizza. And we were like, fuck yeah. <laughs> and then like the first time we got a booking agent, they're like, you get 2000 bucks. We're like, you motherfuckers, like, what the <laughs> fuck? You're just taking advantage of like young people like traveling and trying to do this. Like, and we were stoked to get a hundred bucks and you know. Yeah. It sounds like you found a really good balance somehow to live on the road. How did you, how did you achieve that? I try to like really utilize like whatever I can do. Like I have a little list of things I like to do. Like I, I do yoga a lot and I try to stay really healthy and I read. So like wherever I'm at, I, I capitalize. So when I'm at home, I play a piano five hours a day because I'm at home and I have a piano. When I'm on tour, I read a lot because I'm just constantly on airplanes or like, so I, I just totally adapt to like whatever I'm in, I just get, get done what I can when I'm there. I was reading a, a Truman Capote short story not that long ago, which is really great. I was just like, certain people, I'm like, I should know what some of these guys, their styles are. They're like gray writers. And I was like, holy shit, not a word wasted. Like every word, it's like incredible style. But in one of the stories, there's always a lot of truth in people like that. He was like, you could, out of four, you can only have two at the same time. Family, friends, work, and health. And I've noticed that super, super strong. Like when I'm really, really healthy, like it's time consuming. Like what are you doing all week? Like I'm being healthy, man. Like cooking food at home, like exercising. Then I lose my friends. Or my, like I've noticed that to be like very, very true. But I try to shuffle those. I try to shuffle them around. Fucking brilliant. Yeah. I've never heard that and I'm now racking my brain like, what, do, what, <laughs> what are my two right now? No, you know? it's totally it's so true. true. It's crazy true. Yeah. 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 
Probably not health. I'm uh, I'm a mess. Uh, <laughs> well, which what are your two right now? Because I mean, you're playing tonight, but then are you also going on tour? Right from I here? would say right now, uh, friends and family push it aside. Nice. Yeah, I don't. Like I said a couple of times, I'm a fucking weirdo. Like when I'm not on tour, like I just don't really have like FOMO or anything anymore. I get so much social fix being on tour. Yeah. That I can just be at home, for, not talk to anybody for four days, and I wake up. I usually. I run or do yoga, like, every day. I try to read in the morning. Like, I feel like starting the day with, like, 20 pages of somebody else's ideas oh, is really nice. That's great. Yeah. I don't have to work, like, when I'm, I mean, this is my job, doing, doing this. So, yeah. I, like, my life schedule, it's very dependent on having a lot of freedom. And it's totally not realistic for a lot of people, which I totally get. <laughs> people don't have time so like or, like, oh, or all they, my friends have kids and stuff like yeah. you know waking up and reading they're like oh go fuck you dude <laughs> <laughs> get the fuck out of here what are you talking about <laughs> uh i i think the other side of it though is like for me like it, if you have too much time you're idle because you feel like it's infinite yeah. and so why do something right now because i can just do it in an hour and then nothing ever happens totally and it's really difficult so like do you have a structured day no matter what where it comes to like like how you break it down like i picture you i'm sorry to put it on no, you no, no. but like i picture you as like forgetting to eat because you get wrapped up in like art yeah totally. yeah yeah okay i i think that's so interesting like because it the creativity the mind of it is i don't really have a worry about being creative like not like in a like for example um i don't i don't need uh to be like inspired to like write like you know like the uh Picasso, it's like uh, inspiration finds you working hard. <laughs> like you just work every day and you build up ideas. And then like I found that usually like you'll hit a wall and be like, like you'll go super, super hard and then it's like hit a wall and you're like, fuck, I didn't like crack it or figure out the pieces, the, the shit you don't even know, like behind the scenes, you're like, ah, oh, it just didn't work. And then it'll be like two weeks later and you're like walking, listening to music and you're like, all right, boom. So it's like always a process of like diving in really, really hard and then totally like stepping away from it. But like I can write music every day and some of it, like I don't need inspiration to write it, but you'll get pieces that come out that just sound more inspired. It's like very, yeah. very subtle difference, but like certain times, so you just kind of just chug away. Like it's just like nonstop working every day and then eventually things just kind of like just come together. The, the formula is like hard work, inspiration makes a feeling and then you're able to put that feeling out into the world? Is that? Yeah, sometimes music comes from different places though. Like I find like when I, something comes out, I don't know why I'm singing those words. And then two years later, I'm like, I know exactly why I was singing those words. Mm. So I don't think about it too much. People mm. are always like, why are you writing that song? What, why are you, it's like, I don't know, I'm just writing it. It just, that's how it feels to me. Like, it's like a certain aesthetic quality between mm. like the chords the lyrics and the melody like all three of them work together so like the music's kind of poppy i gotta throw some like fucks or some like edge of your lyrics to kind of count it's all like an aesthetic balance of the whole thing but it sounds yeah. to me too like you've created a huge library within yourself and then you know maybe two years later a book will fall off the shelf and you didn't remember that you put it there and then you open it oh, up and yeah, you're like, I'll be oh and you read it with a different perspective that uh, day my buddy will come over i'll be like you need to read chapter 12 of this book and i'll like read the chat i know you'll really like it I got to just like remember certain things. Like I was saying from those other stories, like whatever mm -hmm. just sticks with me when I read something, like mm -hmm. I'm like that chapter, like I just remembered it. I'm like in my, in my log, you know? 
Do you have a book that you reread over and over and over again? Um, I really like, I've read Siren to Titan by Kurt Vonnegut again recently. Nope. Mm-hmm. Great sci-fi by Kurt Vonnegut. Malucci Constant, great story. I love mm-hmm. the harmoniums in that. Philip K. Dick Reader is just always something. That's just like something that's just like been around in the tour bus. Like it's just always there. I really like the David Foster Wallace's essays from a supposedly fun thing I'll never do again. Like the David Lynch one is great as well in fiction and television. It's just, just fascinating. Mm-hmm. Just good perspective. He kind of like, I didn't find out about him until not that long ago. And I, I wanted to read Infinite Jeff, but I was like, oh, I won't understand it so I read everything before it and I still didn't get it <laughs> you fucking idiot <laughs> but, I, but like reading like reading the, his nonfiction essays felt like um, like I was kind of like sitting down with the older brother smoking weed like let me just tell you how the world is man and it just kind of gives you a little bit different perspective yeah and you get as much as you can out of it and then maybe you'll revisit it and get more the next time I like rereading books because mm-hmm. sometimes you just can't fully grasp it the first time yeah so i'm um, like david sedaris i'll reread david sedaris books just oh god he's so great the holidays on ice it's just like one of the funniest fucking he's super good yeah but i think like he'd be fun i don't know if he smokes weed but he'd be really fun to get high with he would be very fun to get high <laughs> right on one of his long walks yeah yeah oh nice um i know we have to wrap up because you have to go and, and perform tonight uh yeah. Any last questions, Mike? I mean, forever and ever and ever, I, but like another time. I, oh, we should do this again, for I, sure. I'd yeah. love to do this again, and also come to one of your series if we can. Oh, yeah. When, invite uh, only. 100%. Yeah. Um, one last thing. I would love to know what your piano looks like when you're playing. What do you have, like, around you? Well, I, I got a couple of pianos. Oh, wow. My whole, my whole thing is, like, my whole apartment is, like, my little creative space. Like, read my little egg chair I got like an old 60s Jetson you know roads from the 60s that just like everything looks cool like um art and stuff like I like I have a lot of that it's about having like good distractions so like if I'm like playing music and I get up in my house my distractions are like art and books and records some weed next to me always what's your weed what's your go-to recently I've been smoking some royal wedding which has been nice mm-hmm. um OG gas mask was. I've been smoking like really heavy indicas. Hmm. Like I like to. Just, like, whenever I go into the weed stores, like I used to like. I thought I liked sativas a lot more, but I think it was just like that pitch. Like oh, it's to clean your house, you know. And I'm like, it may, sometimes like those real hard sativas make me kind of antsy. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll get like super heavy indicas. But I'll typically walk in, and they'll be like, "Yo, we got a special on these eights. They're like twelve bucks." I'm like. You know when you go buy weed and you're just like looking at weed and you're like, I think this is as good as it gets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the guy's like, oh yeah. I'm like, that's what I want. <laughs> 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 like you're like, could it even get better than this? You know? <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, I've literally smoked weed like every day since I found out what it was. Like there's nothing else in my life. Like I've take, I, I've ever like taken mushrooms and then like just like held up weed and you're you're like, what is this plant that I need to smoke every day? Yes. <laughs> so like, like, what the fuck's wrong with me? I think about that when I'm on like mushrooms, like staring at weed. I'm like, what is this? I'll just like stare at a bowl for like 10 <laughs> minutes. I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> to wrap up, would you mind plugging everything that you'd like to plug where people can find uh, the band or your series? And also if a charity comes to mind or anything like that, like this is the time to just shout it all out. Yeah, I mean, we do a lot with Mr. Holland's Opus for for working with children, which is like pretty much our number number one. Um, we're working, I mean, tonight the show we're doing is for, we're setting up Portugal Foundation, 
Um, and we've just been, we just did a, a charity last week with that, but we'll be, ha we'll be having our own foundation. And like Mr. Holland's Opus is a great one that we've been collaborating with. I mean, they're putting instruments in kids' schools, which is uh, the number one thing. Huge. Yeah. No idea. It's huge. Like, wow. I think the effect that if people keep stripping art away from children, I don't think they have the understanding to know how that's going to affect like a bigger, like, you know, ecosystem <laughs> of mm -hmm. like, like, a lot of those people, they really like art. They don't really realize it. And if you took all that stuff away, like, I mean, I got a theory like religion. Like, show me one aspect of what people think when they feel God that isn't art. Like, I was talking about Bach earlier. All of that music is from the church. That's what's making people feel great. When they walk into the church, it's architecture. It's incredible. That's what's giving them that feeling. And they're reading a fiction book. Yeah. <laughs> arguably with the greatest fiction book ever written. But it's like, I'm not sure. I got a theory that religion is kind of art. <laughs> or people are confusing the, the, the emotions they're getting from being in a church, hearing a book, listening to music, with just being art. Wow. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> thank you for listening, everybody. This has been incredible. Thank yeah, you. Thank you so oh, thank much. Thank you, guys. No, this is awesome. So great to meet you. What a hang. Okay. Uh, if you would like to follow us, we are at Weed and Grub on Instagram. You can go to weedandgrub.com to learn more and leave a five-star review if you like. You're probably listening to this. You're probably a really good person already, so hope you keep being one. Thanks for <laughs> listening, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.